Hey, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church, and we are wrapping up our series on Daniel entitled Courageous Faith, Standing Firm in a Time of Compromise with Prophecy about the End Times. And today, you better strap your seatbelt on. We're going to go through a lot of stuff. You're also going to need a pen. So if you didn't grab a pen on the way in, raise your hand. One of our ushers will be glad to bring one to you. want to welcome the folks who are uh, watching with us online at Pike Road and Cloverdale and Wetumpka and elsewhere. We're glad you're along uh, for the ride. Today, we're going to be talking about one of Daniel's prophecies. It's a prophecy about an evil world ruler who will come to power at the end of history, right before Jesus returns. And the Bible calls him the Antichrist. We don't know his name, and but if you go online, you'll find a lot of people trying to figure it out, okay? Uh, you just got to Google Antichrist, and you will find all kinds of suggestions for who that might need to be, or who a lot of people think that is. Uh, but today, we're going to tell you what the Bible has to say about this person, because Daniel talked about this person. And so um, point one on your outline is this, that Jesus told his disciples to pay close attention to Daniel's prophecies concerning the Antichrist. And I'm going to write uh, this name up on a, uh, just a little uh, piece of paper right behind me here, uh, because the Antichrist uh, is what it sounds like. This is a person who is anti-Christ, but he's not just against Christ. There's a lot of people who are against Christianity. This is a person who hates Christ. And instead of wanting people to worship Christ, this is a person who wants to be a counterfeit. Someone who will try to take the worship from Christ. And so whenever you think of Antichrist, you need to think of a person who hates Christ and who wants to take worship from him as a substitute. Now the Bible tells us about him, and Jesus tells his disciples to pay attention to Daniel's prophecies about it. One of the prophecies concerning this person is an image that this person will set up, have set up in his uh, a likeness of this Antichrist will be set up in a temple that is in Jerusalem. This is what Jesus said about it. He said, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. There'll be greater anguish than at any other time since the world began. It'll never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, this time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. See, I've warned you about this ahead of time. Jesus, in the context here, Jesus was telling his disciples about the end of the world. And when he'd return, they said, what will it be like? And he said, oh, there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars, earthquakes in various places. It'd be like birth pains where... They're getting closer together and greater in intensity. He said, but at the end of the world, there's going to be an abomination that causes desolation. And we'll talk to you about the prophecies of Daniel in here because Daniel said all that was in connection with this person, an evil world ruler who sets himself up to be God and wants the worship that is due Christ, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so today, I want to talk with you about that. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, uh, we jumped right in. I'm going to have to keep going. There's a lot to be covered today. And I pray that you'll speak, that you'll move me out of the way, and you'll teach us some things about the future so we'll know how to make good use of our time today. Please open our eyes. Keep us alert. Help us understand these things so we can be your people and stand firm in a time when there are people who will be going astray. In the name of Christ, I pray these things. Amen. Well, Daniel 
tells us, and the book of Revelation, there are a couple places I'm going to re- be using as resources today. John in Revelation 13, one of Jesus' disciples, Paul in Second Thessalonians, and Daniel in a couple of chapters of prophecy here to talk about this Antichrist. And uh, in all of those places, and you'll see this especially from Revelation as well as from Second Thessalonians, the Antichrist is point A on your outline. The Antichrist will come during a time of great apostasy. Apostasy, this is my word day. That's why I'm putting this up here. Uh, apostasy is a word we don't use that much. And yes, that is spelled correctly. There's an S in apostasy, uh, two S's. Or, and, and so the whole idea here is that apostasy means to fall away. And if you can put that in the margin. I use the NLT, that's New Living Translation. That's what I use on Sunday mornings here because it's really easy to understand. But in this case, I'll show you where they use this word, and I'll tell you why I'm making a distinction here. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Paul writing to the early church in Thessalonica and uh, about our Lord Jesus Christ and how we'll be gathered to meet him. People of the Thessalonians were worried. Some of them had been told that Jesus had come already, and they'd been left behind. And they were worried, well, what, 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 did we miss it? And there were other people saying, ah, this is never going to happen. That's just all old wives' tales. And Paul said, well, no, let's clarify some things. He had explained about the rapture and other things in First Thessalonians. and Second Thessalonians, there's some clarifications here. He said, um, that day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God. If you'd underline that great rebellion there, against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. Well, that time of great rebellion is a time of great apostasy. And so that, the word in Greek is apostasia. It's where we get the word apostasy, the English word, and it comes from a couple of different things. This whole business here of uh, stasis, the stasis, it's where you stand now. Apostasy is to no longer stand there. So people who used to believe the Bible no longer will. Before the Antichrist comes, this counterfeit who wants to worship do Christ because he hates him so much, we're going to live at a time when people who should know better don't care. When they turn away, they don't read their Bibles anymore. They don't care what God has to say. You interject and say, well, the Bible says, Bible schmibel, I don't care. I don't want to listen. And so you can translate that rebellion, but I think this gets it better. Apostasy falling away is, I don't care. It's turning away. And so when this Antichrist comes, there will be a global turning away where hearts are hard. And people don't want to know what God says anymore. He said, so I want to remind you that day when Jesus returns, it's not going to come until there's a great apostasy against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction, lawlessness, and an agent of Satan. You'll see this in a little bit, who says, do whatever you want. A great leader who promised everybody, you can live however you want. And we don't need... You don't need to, especially God's rules, God's laws. So it'll be a great rebellion against God. He'll bring great destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. And Paul says, don't you remember I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what's holding him back, for he can be revealed only when the time comes, when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. There is a plan for human history. And in the margin, would you please write this reference down? Isaiah 46, 
verses 9 and 10. It's on your outline. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. In it, God says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is yet to come. The reason why Daniel knew about this, the reason why Paul knew about this, the reason why John knew about this is because God had revealed it to them. And that's why we can trust that this is going to happen. You and I see life uh, a lot like a person standing on the sidewalk watching a parade. It's dripped out to us one day at a time, one event at a time, one moment at a time. So we see a float come by and then a band, and that's what we see. Well, God claims to be the grand marshal of the parade, standing on top of a building, a skyscraper, and he can see the beginning and the end of the parade all at one glance. And so for him, he says, hey, this is going to come, and it's going to come at the right time. Well, when? Well, it's coming. He will be revealed. And Paul told him, I told you about this. You're not going to have to worry about whether you miss this. This will be something the whole world will know when this man steps on the world stage, because it will be a world stage. But it's going to come at a time of great apostasy. There's a life application for you and me on, out of all of this. With all these things in mind, this is Paul himself. I didn't write this. Paul did. To the people of his day, it still applies to us this day. 2 Thessalonians 2.15. With all these things in mind, that there's going to be a time of apostasy, that there's going to be a false prophet coming, that people are going to turn away. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a firm grip on the teaching we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. And now you know why we want you reading your Bible every day. Now you know why we want you in a connect group where you're discussing the Bible, where you're praying every day so we can keep a firm grip, because there's going to be all kinds of false teachers who come along with counterfeit theologies and tell us to turn away from Jesus. When Paul wrote um, also to Timothy, here's what he said, Timothy, in the last days, is going to be very difficult times. People love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be cruel and they'll hate what's good. They'll love pleasure rather than God. They'll act religious, but they'll reject the very power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. How are you going to know who those people are unless you don't, if you don't know the truth? My friends, that's why we have to, at, at center point, we say the Bible's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And guess what's under attack in our culture today? I mean, when I'm talking about a time of great apostasy, it'd be a time when people stopped reading their Bibles, when they would just entertain themselves with anything else. They'd become selfish and greedy, thinking of only of their own pleasures. And if God didn't go along with that, well, then throw that out. It'd be a time when Christian denominations that have always taught the Bible will no longer teach the Bible and say, we don't know what's true. Can you imagine living in a world like that? Well, if you haven't been reading the paper lately... We do live in a world like that. And Paul says, with all these things in mind, here's one life application, keep a firm grip so you don't get deceived. I mean, when this guy comes, he's not just going to be some kind of little charlatan that a few people are going to believe in. This guy's going to be smooth. And he's going to be armed with all the latest arguments of why the Bible isn't true and why it's better to go your own way. And he's going to make fun of everything that's right and holy and good. And the world's going to clamor after him. I mean, many people think, well, how could everybody ever come on stage? Who would ever allow that? Allow it? People will be begging for it. That brings us to point B. The Antichrist will be a deceptive, evil ruler who will take over the world through the power of Satan. The devil himself will give him the power to get this done. 
He'll be a fierce king. This is Daniel 8. And then I'm going to read, again, I'm just going Daniel, 2 Thessalonians, Revelation 13. You'll see these over and over again. A fierce king, a master of intrigue. You can circle intrigue. Intrigue is where you're shaking hands with a person and then knifing him in the back. Poison, schemes, manipulations. I mean, a politician of all politicians, conniving, scheming, unbelievable. He'll rise to power. He'll become very strong, but not by his own power. That comes from the devil. He'll cause a shocking amount of destruction, succeed in everything he does. He'll destroy powerful leaders, devastate the holy people. He'll be a master of deception. You can underline that too. Deception and become arrogant, and he will destroy many without warning. That's Daniel 8, your Second Thessalonians 2. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit. You can underline that counterfeit again, power, signs, and miracles. Okay, I want to tell you right now, this guy will be a master of using spin. He'll have the best propaganda machine anybody's ever seen. Many people who think of this, you can, all you have to do if you think about it, has there ever been anybody close to this? Well, just think back to Hitler in Nazi Germany. Hitler was a master of propaganda. He said that was his greatest tool. In fact, if you take your outline and just flip it over to the back cover, question four for our connect groups, I asked people just to read some of the quotations of Adolf Hitler. If you've never read any of his quotations, this will probably put a chill in your blood when you start understanding how, people, how we can be manipulated through the media today. Hitler said, make the lie big. Make it simple. Keep saying it, and eventually they'll believe it. That's how he got the whole German culture to turn against the Jews. He said it was all their fault. An outrageous lie. Who's going to believe that? He just kept saying it, kept saying it, and eventually they all fell in line. Are there lies being perpetrated on our culture? You bet. Crazy things. But if you say them loud enough, people believe it. What luck for rulers that men do not think. Adolf Hitler again. It's always more difficult to fight against, the fa- against faith than against knowledge. He alone who owns the youth gains the future. Again, that should give you a chill. Hitler said he started his campaign. You, I was doing some reading this week of the 1920s, 10 years before he came into power fully. Hitler was working all this stuff working with teenagers and other things to indoctrinate them and train them. So when he got to power, they would do whatever he said. He openly said, lie all you want. Just lie proud, lie loud, say it often. People believe it. They're not going to go check it in the Bible. It's a good thing for uh, rulers that men do not think. We don't want to think. Just give us what we want. That's apostasy. Falling away from the things that God has ordained for us, redefining everything according to our own wants and desires. My goodness. This man will come and do the work of Satan. He'll promise all that. And on top of it, he'll have something that Hitler never had. He'll have the power to do signs and miracles. He'll be able to do wonders. I mean, Hitler was a rank amateur compared to this guy. He used every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refused to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived, and they'll believe these lies. They don't want to believe. Flip it over your outline. You'll see now from Romans 13 and from Daniel 7. How will this, we got a few clues of how the political structure will be working in those days when this happens. Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. There are a lot of different understandings of that, but 
one that makes a lot of sense to me is just out of the sea of humanity. This will be a person who comes on the scene. He's not going to come from necessarily a royal lineage at all. This will just be somebody who just appears. Comes out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. And you go, well, John, what does all that mean? Fortunately for us, Daniel had an angel interpret for him. He had a similar vision. And the angel said, well, it's ten horns are ten kings who will rule that empire. So there'll be some sort of ten-nation coalition. And then another king will arise, different from the other ten, who will subdue three of them, who'll rip them out by the roots and take their place. He'll defy the Most High and oppress the holy people of the Most High. It's going to be a master of intrigue, a political genius, come to power out of nowhere and uproot three strong rulers and they can't do anything about it and eventually take over the whole world in a time of great apostasy when people have fallen away and they're looking and begging for a counterfeit. Anybody but Jesus. Anything but the Bible. We want freedom to do whatever we want. I'll give it to you. And he'll be good. He'll be real good. It's important to note here, he'll have help. The Antichrist will have an assistant. The Bible calls him the false prophet. We're going to read about him now in Revelation 13. And he's going to lead the whole world astray through counterfeit miracles, even staging a fake resurrection. I mean, this guy is a fake Christ, a counterfeit Christ. He's even going to have his own staged fake resurrection. John wrote, I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed fatally wo- seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. Who's as great as the beast, they explained. Who's able to fight against him? So apparently somewhere as he rises to power, there's going to be an assassination attempt of some kind. He'll be mortally wounded, and then all of a sudden he'll be miraculously healed. He'll claim to be resurrected from the dead, that he's the Messiah. I mean, remember, anything that Christ did, he wants to have a counterfeit of it. So people will give him all the worship that's due Christ. That's what's happening here. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and all of its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. And then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on their forehead, and no one could buy or sell anything without the mark which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Now wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man. His number is 666. Human beings were created on the sixth day. The Lord rested on the seventh. It's the number of man. A man claiming to be God. Demanding the worship that's due God. A counterfeit when people have fallen away. And if you don't worship him, it's a terrible thing because there'll be a, a tattoo or a chip 
or something given to each person. You won't be able to buy or sell. You won't be able to get a job. You won't be able to get any credit. You won't be able to pump gas unless you've got this mark on your right hand or your forehead. Now, I want to clarify something here. This is a willful act done by people who have fallen away and want to worship this guy. I mean, don't think if you go to a concert or an amusement park and they stamped your hand for re-entry later on, oh no, I've taken the mark of the beast. That's not what it is. It won't be accidental. To take the mark of the beast, this is sign me up. I love that guy. I mean, did you see the miracles they did? That's got to be the real thing. Now, never mind, he's corrupt and scheming and has eliminated all of his enemies. And this isn't Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. This is a person killing anyone who gets in the way of his ambition. Never mind, all kinds of chaos and lawlessness follow this man. He causes incredible destruction wherever he goes. Never mind, that's the guy I want. And they'll take the mark willingly. Don't think this will be accidental. And John is letting us know. What else will happen? Point C, the Antichrist will negotiate a seven-year peace treaty with Israel, but halfway through he'll break it, demanding the world worship him as God. Remember, that's what he's after, worship. Satan always wants the worship due God. That was what he wanted from the beginning, to put his throne above the throne of the Most High. I want people to worship me. In the garden to Adam and Eve, follow me. Don't listen to God, listen to me. And so there'll be some sort of seven-year peace treaty made. This is what Daniel says in Daniel 9, 27. The ruler will make a treaty with the people of Israel for a period of one set of seven, but after half of this time, he'll put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. So apparently, because there's going to be a statue set up in the temple, Apparently, because there are sacrifices and offerings, the temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. There's a mosque standing on the platform. The Dome of the Rock is there now. Apparently, a temple will be built there. We can't even imagine it now. But before 1948, people never could have imagined that Israel would become a nation again. And there will be sacrifices offered there. You go to the Wailing Wall, there are Orthodox Jews praying every day for that temple to be rebuilt. Today, they are there praying for that. Today. And before the end of the world, it will happen. And this guy will come in and bring in a peace treaty and claim to be the Prince of Peace. I mean, that's one of the titles assigned to Christ. And he's the counterfeit. And he'll say, I can bring peace. And who knows how he'll do it? He'll be a master of intrigue, he'll manipulate it somehow. A seven-year peace plan. But halfway through, he'll destroy all that. He'll walk into the temple and claim to be God himself. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 He will even sit in the temple of God, a temple that will be rebuilt here, claiming that he himself is God. Not just that he knows God, but he'll claim to be God and that people must worship him or die. Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies. This is from Revelation 13 again, against God, and he was given authority to do so whenever he wanted for 42 months. So halfway through, he sits on the throne for those last 42 months of the seven-year period. I mean, it's the great tribulation that Jesus is talking about, a time of great suffering. 
he'll be allowed to do whatever he wants. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his temple, that is, those who live in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worshiped the beast. Why was the beast allowed to do it? Because all the people were worshiping him. I mean, sometimes people write me about this. Why does God allow this if he's a good God? I mean, why does a good God allow people who have fallen away and refuse to believe in him and don't care what he says, who beg and clamor for a counterfeit Christ, why does he allow them to get exactly what they want? Because that's what they want. You're not going to have to beg people to sign up for this. People want this. And this is why we're warned about this and why we're told to keep a firm grip on the scriptures. Counterfeits are going to come. And people are going to come and say, the Bible's not true. You don't need to listen to God. You don't like your marriage? Throw it away. Get another spouse. Lawlessness. You don't like the gender you were assigned at birth? Just pretend to be something else. Lawlessness. It doesn't matter. And if you say the lie big enough, and you say it loud enough, and you say it often enough, Hitler says people are stupid enough and they're going to believe it. And this guy's banking on it. Because you're giving them what they want. Christ came to give us eternal life, and we will believe any sort of foolish lie as long as we can get our own selfish desires met. And all those who belong to this world worship the beast. They're the ones whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the Lamb was slaughtered. Anyone with ears to hear should listen, understand. Anyone who's destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. So what should we do about this? Well, that was verse 9. Here's verse 10. John himself gave us our life application right here. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain Faithful. Faithful. This is what God has always looked for. People who will obey him and trust him. There's always a million shortcuts. That's what the devil always wants to sell us. Hey, you don't have to obey what God says. This is difficult. Take the easy way. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I deal with this over and over again in my office. People come in and go, yeah, I mean, they've been having an affair. They've got a mistress. They've got their wife. They go, I don't know what to do. I go, well, I know what to do. Stop having an affair. Go back to your wife. Honor your vows that you made before God and witnesses. Do not lie. Do not be a false husband. Don't be an adulterer. Confess your sins. Repent. Ask forgiveness from your spouse, too. Be the father you're supposed to be. Or somebody else comes in and they go, man, I got a chance for a great promotion. Well, okay. Well, why are you talking to me? Well, in order to do this, I got to kind of lie on some expense reports and other things. You know, it's, it's not quite legal in all 50 states and a few territories. Hmm. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I know what you need to do. Speak the truth but it might cost me the promotion. I know, but you'll sleep at night. And you won't have to be looking over your shoulder whether you're going to go to jail. 
But you understand what the devil sell, sells over and over again. Lawlessness. You don't need this. Take the shortcut. Take the easy way. Are you tired of this? Do you want more? Think of yourself. And welcome to the message of the Antichrist said a million times better than I just said it. And people will run after him. And John says, remain faithful. What did Jesus say? Matthew 24. Again, back to the passage where he's saying, hey, listen to what Daniel said. Here's what Jesus said. A faithful and sensible servant is the one whom the master can give responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns, finds that servant's done a good job, be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge all he owns. But what if the servant's evil and thinks, ah, my master won't be back for a while and begins beating the other servants, partying, getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected. He'll cut that servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, he'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus has given us an assignment. We're to obey his word. We're to tell the whole world about him. Not get distracted in the affairs of this world. Not be feeding our own selfish lusts and desires. Not disobeying what he said, but doing what he told us to do. And so that's why John says, well, this means God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Now, we need to hear that today. This is a time for faithfulness. There are people all around us who are going to compromise just to get ahead. That only sets the stage for a climate that's ripe for total deception of the whole world. We get to be salt and light in a world like that. Think of the kindness of, that it is when a friend tells you and confronts you about something you've had a total blind spot about. That's how God wants us to be. Faithful. Doing the right thing. Doing the small things. Living rightly every day. And you can say, well, John, I'm really glad I came today. I'm glad the world's going to pot. There's a false deceiver. And a lot of people are going to be persecuted. Anything else depressing for me today? Well, if I stopped right there, you could probably say that. But I'm not going to stop right there because there's more to the story. And now I'm going to get to the sweet spot. Point two, God is in control even when it doesn't seem like it. Everything I've talked about so far in this outline doesn't seem like God's in control. seems like this guy's in control and the devil's in control and he wins. Well, that's only during that seven-year period and it's only because God allowed it. And Jesus himself said if those days hadn't been cut short, nobody would survive. But they will be cut short. By who? The real Christ. He's coming back. And he's going to set it all straight. And you need to hear this. Because Jesus wins. And he wins big. Revelation 19, 19. Now the devil himself can read the Bible. The Antichrist knows Jesus is coming back. The Antichrist is not an atheist. He'll pretend to be. He's not an atheist. He knows Jesus is coming back. He knows who the real king of this world is. But he set himself up to be the king of all the other kings until the day when the clouds part and Jesus returns to this world riding a white horse. This is what Revelation tells us. Followed by the saints of heaven. He'll enter the atmosphere 
And this false Christ, this antichrist, will have arrayed all the armies of the world against him. Listen, this is amazing right here. Revelation 19, 19. It's in a plain in the middle of Israel called Har Megiddo. That's why it's called the Battle of Har Megiddo or the Battle of Armageddon. This is it. This is what this is talking about. This cataclysmic battle. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did those mighty miracles, calling down fire and all that, on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all those who accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Well, both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, bound hand and foot and pitched head first into the burning lake of sulfur. Daniel 8.25, Daniel said the same thing. He will even take on the prince of princes in battle, but he'll be broken, though not by human power. He won't die because of a bullet. He won't die because of a hand grenade or a missile. He's going to die because of the power of Christ. What's interesting about this is, and this is even the best part, how Paul puts it in 2 Thessalonians 2.8. I've got a small little candle here wish to light because I want to illustrate how this battle will go down. You think it's going to be this epic showdown, guns, tanks, planes, missiles, all aimed at Jesus and the heavenly army coming in through the atmosphere. And here's what happens. But the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Here's the battle play by play. You lose. (laughs) This is the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. Epic battle. Counterfeit Christ meets the real thing. Game over. Why do we worship Christ? Because he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Does he tell us to do things that we don't like to do all the time? Yes, for our own good. Because he's the one who made us. He loves us. So what are we supposed to be doing till he returns? Being faithful. Keeping a firm grip on the scripture keeping watch, managing the things he's entrusted to our care, the little things, being honest, being kind, being faithful, sharing the good news with friends and family. Now you know why we want you in those connect groups again, so we can encourage each other and warn each other as we should, so we'll be found faithful. Jesus, one more time on this, Matthew 24 again, same concept, same passage. Guys, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars. There's going to be an abomination that causes desolation, this statue sitting in the temple. I'm telling you, it's going to get bad, but I'm coming back. I'm going to set everything straight. When the Son of Man returns, this is Matthew 24, 37, it'll be just like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That's the way it'll be when the Son of Man comes. Two will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. The point that Jesus makes, the point that Paul makes, the point that John made, in each of these warnings about the future is not to spend now. Now I want you to do is spend a bazillion hours trying to figure out what the 666 deal is. Is it a computer chip? Is it a tattoo? What is it? Who's the guy? Is he from Europe? Is he from America? Is he from Israel? Where is he? Who is this? Let's spend all our time talking about this and have a million conspiracy theories. That's what we should be doing. 
Or if we know it's going to get rough, hey, build yourself a bunker and get yourself at least seven years worth of beans. That's what we need to be doing. Nope. Do you know what Jesus said? Be faithful. Be alert. That's that last point. We must keep watch. We must be alert. We must be faithful. Put in there whatever statement you want that says, be faithful. Today, if the Lord is speaking to you, you need to repent of your sins and come to him. My friends, come to him. He has not returned yet. Today, if you need to break off a sinful relationship, break it off. Trust him. Today, if you need to forgive someone, forgive them. The Lord forgave you. What are you waiting for? If you need help learning how to read the Bible, come talk to us. We've got to keep a firm grip on this. Deceivers are going to come. And ultimately, just like birth pains, it's going to get more intense, closer together. And this guy's going to show up and the world be ripe for him. If there was ever a call for action for Christians, my friends, it is now. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Your word is given to us not for idle speculation, so we'll spend a million hours trying to decode Bible codes or identify who the Antichrist is. That's not the point. It's never been the point. point is we're going to trust Christ. We're going to trust you completely. We're going to confess our sins, repent, and we're going to be faithful. If the Lord has spoken to you through his word, through a friend, through your time in prayer, you have a guilty conscience about something, confess it to the Lord. If you don't know what to do, get counsel. If the Lord has been convicting you of something, pray about it now and say, God, I want to be right. I want to be found faithful when you return. If you come today, I want to be found busy doing your business. If you know someone who's far away from Christ, would you pray for them now too? Say, oh God, would you open their eyes? Oh God, would you help me live my life in front of them in such a way that they might believe in you a little bit more because they'll see your power exhibited through me. Oh God, bring a spiritual awakening. I don't know if we're in the end times or we're just in a terrible time of apostasy in our culture. Lord, it sure seems possible. And either way, Lord, you want me to live fully for you. So help me live fully for you. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.